Good morning, everyone. That's a chicken. And we'll get to the chicken later. This is E3, and uh, we are in the fifth week of Pathways. We have been going through a journey together. Uh, we began um, just kind of giving an overview of discipleship and how discipleship is not only a personal journey, but it is a community journey and how we are all going on this together. And that's the beauty and um, one of the great things about Pathways that we do every single year. Pastor Eric, uh, the following week, um, he, he talked to us about, about hospitality and, and what that looks like and the, and the empty chair and just being uh, prepared. Uh, I, I talked about, and the passport is missing, hopefully that's not a problem, but... Uh, <laughs> Okay, uh, that that the passport is this this idea of being ready to go. That we learned a Hebrew word halak. You guys remember what halak means? Step. And uh, halaka is to walk. And uh, my friend Heidi, uh, after the 9 a.m. service, uh, gave me the 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 boom hakalaka. And uh, the idea that, you know, you're grooving and moving. So, boom, halakalaka, and just that idea of halak, take that step, boom, ha- boom ha- or halaka, take another walking, then boom, halakalaka, you got your groove on, and, and things like that. Then Pastor Eric, uh, last week, talking about the checkbook and, and the idea that, that being wise stewards of the resources that God has entrusted to us. Today, we're going to talk about the sign of a gift and what that means, what it means uh, uh, to receive a gift, to give a gift, and ultimately, the gift of of life that, that God gives us. Now, I'm sure we all can remember just gifts that we've received that have been amazing. I know that uh, probably there, there's gifts that you've given that you've thought are amazing. There's also been those times where you've given gifts under compulsion or received gifts knowing that they're under compulsion or, or they're not even really gifts at all. They're more like an exchange, a transaction. And I was thinking about kind of profound gifts in my life. One of the most profound gifts that I ever received uh, in my life had nothing to do with the actual gift, but it was about the giver, my father. And he had given me, uh, he had prepared something really special for me. My whole family used to uh, ride motocross, my mom included, if you can believe that. Yeah, we all had motorcycles, but little Marky didn't have a motorcycle. And uh, one day after baseball practice, um, my dad actually put a, uh, a bag over my head. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and on the baseball field and started walking me uh, to, he used to have a, a, an El Camino. Now, those of you who are kids who don't know what an El Camino is, you've just, you've missed out on life. <laughs> El Caminos are cool. And my dad had El Camino, and I got there, and he, he pulled the, the bag off of my head. 
and there was a uh, 80cc Honda um, uh, motocross bike, and I was like, it was, it, and I remember it, it wasn't, I, the bike was cool and everything, but my dad has recounted this story to me many times. He said it's the greatest gift that he's ever given because I didn't even really look at the bike. I turned around and I just hugged him because it was so much bigger than just the motorcycle. It was this, this rite of passage that I uh, was following in my family's uh, footsteps and 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 uh, or the trails in this in this case and that we were going to I was I was this independent but but also part of the family and it was just a huge thing now one of the low points of gift giving in my life was when I was 14 or 15 and I actually hesitated about telling this story because my mom and dad listened to every sermon uh that is given here through uh, iTunes or whatever, watch it on Vimeo or things like, like that. And so this is not only a story, but is a confession, mom. <laughs> so you get, they get both, or she gets both. It was Christmas time, 14-ish, no job, kind of a teenage middle school boy, and we're cruising around. I had friends who were 16 and things like that. Um, we're going around, not, you know, just parenting note, it's never a good idea to let your middle schooler go with 16-year-olds when they have no job and nowhere to go and everything. They're just going to get in trouble, all right? You're just asking for them to get in trouble. And then this was, okay, I'm not blaming you, mom. So uh, for, for, for my actions, I take full responsibility. But I realized it was Christmas, and I realized I didn't have any money. I realized that I had not gotten her a gift, but she was my mom, and I wanted to get her something. We're driving along, and I'm like, stop the car. And there I saw it. There was a concrete duck on the porch of a house. Is this going to be too much for some of you? <laughs> all right, this is confession time, all right? Authenticity. So I said, that's going to be perfect. So I jumped out of the car, and I grabbed this duck. And literally, it's a concrete duck, and it's like this big, all right? And I bring it into the car. And when I got home and it had dirt on it and all sorts of stuff, that, that I washed it and tried to scrub it but, but it, but the concrete's porous, right? And so it had, it had taken on kind of the stain, and I couldn't get it off, but I was stuck. I, didn't, I was a, had a duck, right? Sorry. <laughs> I, 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 that's the low-hanging fruit. I can't resist. It's like Tourette's with bad jokes for me. So... Uh, so I was kind of in a pickle, well, what, what am I going to do? So what did I do? I wrapped the duck and gave it to my mom. I remember opening the duck and looking at the duck and then looking at me, and she didn't say anything. She's like, oh, a duck. 
And I look back at that, at that, at that, at that gift. That gift didn't cost me anything, but it cost me everything. Let me say that again. That duck didn't cost me anything. That gift didn't cost me anything, but it cost me everything in terms of my relationship with my mom. Of course, she is forgiving and gracious, and I'm sure we're going to have a conversation about this, and I'll update you on how that goes. But, uh, <laughs> but all this to say, the, the gifts are a tricky thing. Gifts are just not contained in the inanimate object, but they carry with it all sorts of relational intertwinings. And that's what we're really talking about today in the gift of service. And for those of us who are followers of Christ, that there's been this big movement of good-centered service, to do good things. But we as followers of Christ, that's not our calling. Our calling is to do God-centered things. We've added an O and made it good, but by making it good, we have denied the glory to God when we do things. When we serve in the journal moment that Pastor Dan was talking about, giving someone a glass of water is an act of worship because it transcends the physical, and it moves into the eternal. It is an act of worship. It is no longer, for those of us who are followers of Christ, it is no longer a cup of water. It is no longer a piece of food, but it is something much greater. Now, I got, I got to tell you guys that I was planning on going a completely different direction on this talk today. I was going to give you something quite honestly what you've heard before. Your typical talk on service and offering and giving. But unfortunately for you, I was spending time in the Old Testament and specifically in Malachi. And I got to tell you, I tried to get away from this. I tried to get away from this scripture because it blew me up. It was hard. And I kept on going around and I was going to the nice scripture about love and hugging and, 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 you know, all that great stuff. That's, that, that's part of being a follower of Christ. But, but I think sometimes we focus so much on the love and we put our definition, uh, our own definitions of love of how we like to be loved that we miss the bigger picture that God is also our father and our king, our master. And that you know what? God is not looking just to open a duck on Christmas. He wants us to experience what it means to be part of the family, to, to, to be empowered 
through our actions. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to read you this scripture in Malachi. And I just, this scripture, it, it's the last book of the Old Testament before there are hundreds of years of silence before the Messiah comes. And as I read it and reread it and then read it again, I was like, wow. This is the last, the last thing that the people of Israel heard before the Messiah came. And as I read this, I'm like, wow, this is so echoing of our times. And are we on the cusp of silence once again? And perhaps Malachi is speaking once again. So if you open up your Bibles to Malachi chapter 1, I'm just going to read this part, and then I'm going to go back, and I'm just going to unpack some things that I highlighted. Malachi chapter 1, verse 6. The Lord of the heaven's armies say to the priests, A son honors his father, and a servant respects his master. If I am your father and master, where are the honor and respect I deserve? You have shown contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we ever shown contempt for your name? You have shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. Then you ask, how have we defiled the sacrifices? You defiled them by saying the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. When you give blind animals as sacrifices, isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is, says the Lord of the heaven's armies. Go ahead, beg God to be merciful to you. But when you bring that kind of offering, why should he show you any favor at all? Ask the Lord of the heaven's armies. How I wish one of you would shut the temple doors so that these worthless sacrifices could not be offered. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of the heaven's army, and I will not accept your offering. But my name is honored by the People of other nations from morning till night. All around the world, they offer sweet incense and pure offerings in honor of my name. For my name is great among the nations, says the Lord of the heavens' armies. But you dishonor my name with your actions. By bringing contemptible food, you're seeing it's all right to defile the Lord's table. You say, it's too hard to serve the Lord. 
and you turn up your noses at my commands, says the Lord of the heaven's armies. Think of it. Animals that are stolen, concrete ducks included. I told you I wasn't going to do any commentary, but sorry. Animals that are stolen and crippled and sick and being presented as offerings. Should I accept from you such offerings as these? Ask the Lord. Verse 14. Cursed is the cheat who promises to give a fine ram from his flock, but then sacrifices a defective one to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord of the heaven's armies, and my name is feared among the nations. Listen, you priests, this command is for you. Listen to me and make up your minds to honor my name, says the Lord of the heaven's army, or I will bring a terrible curse against you. I will curse even the blessings you've received. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you have not taken my warnings to heart. I will punish your descendants and splatter your faces with the manure from the festival sacrifices. And I will throw you on the manure pile. Dear God, you say that all Scripture is your word, is God-breathed, and is used for teaching to help us and to guide us closer to your heart and mind. God, as we look at the gift of your salvation and we, the gift of life, and we look at the gifts that we return to you through service and through our tithes and through our gifts and offerings, through our love, through our attitudes, through our words. That God, that we will be people who accept your invitation of empowerment, of ambassadorship, and of belonging, in that we will not offer you stolen or cheap or defiled offerings in return. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So several things really struck out or stuck out to me in this scripture. One was, if I'm your father and master, where are the honor and respect I deserve? And this idea that, that the metaphor of God being the father, what does a good father do? A good father protects, a good father gives direction. The good father will instruct his children. A father and a child are not equals. A father and child have a relationship, a relationship that is, is based in raising up that child 
and for a Christian in a way, ways of the Lord. It also says that I'm your master. And I think a lot of times that we forget this as Christians, but it was not lost on people uh, in, in, the Jew, in Judea and who, uh, people of Israel. This idea of a king. That, yes, Jesus is our friend, but he is also our king. And when he gives a command, it is not a good suggestion or if you get around to it. It is one of these things that, that if we have ex accepted his lordship, which you don't have to do, but if we have accepted his lordship and have accepted being adopted into his family, that means something. That means something. Going on from there, he starts talking about how the, the temple has been defiled and these offerings are uh, defiled. And, and they're asking, well, how, how have we defiled your offer, an offering to you, Lord? We gave you the concrete duck. It's real. It's a duck. It's concrete. Why aren't you happy? How is this a defilement of the sacred trust between a father and a son? And he says, you have defiled them by saying the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. When you, in my instance with my mom and in, in, in Christmas, my mom didn't want a concrete duck. She didn't want a real duck. She wanted to experience my love for her. Right? Mothers? You don't expect anything from your children. You realize that your children don't have jobs. So if they show up with a concrete duck you know that something's not right. You are not looking for anything monetary. You are not looking for a gift that, that perhaps you're expecting from your husband. You are wanting, yearning to get a glimpse or a measure of the investment and the love that you have poured into that child. And that, I'm sure every mother here and every father, or anybody who's ever accepted a gift or has received a gift, isn't that really what we're looking for? Because we all get that, that these earthly things will fade away. They're nice, they're wonderful. But we are not looking for a shiny object. We are looking for an indication that we have significance in that other person's life. Right? Yes. That is what we want. If, if this Christmas, next month, if we receive gifts from our children's and our children and from our children, yeah, and our spouses and our friends, 
that were expressions of their love for of us and 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 symbols of the significant significant place that we have in their life wouldn't that be the best christmas ever yes absolutely you see i think sometimes we get crossed up when we think about relationships with each other differently than our relationship with god our father God is the author and designer of all relationships. And the same rules that apply with your mother and father and with your children and with your friends apply to God. Are the same things. The next really profound statement that that really jumped out to me, it was in verse 10 where God says, how I wish one of you would just shut the temple doors so that these worthless sacrifices could not be offered. God said, shut the the church. I don't want your concrete duck. If if that's what you think of me, if if you're coming out of obligation, if this is some sort of transaction, if, if you are not looking to have a life-altering experience with the one true living God, then what the heck are you doing? You might as well just seal up the church and go do something else because you're not fooling me, you're only fooling yourself. And in verse 12, he says, but you dishonor my name with your actions. Dishonor my name with your actions. By what you do, by your actions and and your inactions, that, that you are just... You are defiling my, my holy place. You are defiling my name by bringing this contemptible food. And I was thinking about this and thinking about chicken. And this chicken signifies all that is life. And think about it this way. God, on a silver platter offers us this beautiful rotisserie chicken. And he says, look, together we're going to have this chicken. And I want you to experience the whole chicken. And it's going to be fantastic. But I want you to to realize that, that I gave you this chicken and, and out, of, out of gratitude. I understand that, that you're not the creator of the universe and, and everything. I understand that you have limited resources. I understand that all you have is, is represented by this chicken. But you know what? I wanna, on a regular basis, I, I want you to give back to me. I want you to give back through your life. Not your, just your finance. I'm talking about your life. I want you to see your chicken and 
and to, to be generous with it. And so often we're like, okay, God, you want a gift. You want a gift. Okay. Well, this is my chicken and it's mine, but I, I feel obligated. It's Christmas. It's Christmas Eve and I don't have anything for you. So, uh, okay, cool. All right, here we go. God, I, I, I that's about 10% of the chicken. So, um, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this back because that's, that's the deal, right, and everything. Um, oh, wait. Uh, first, first, though, I, I, um, I want to I I get that new stereo system. Oh, oh sorry. Well, push came off, God, but you can. It's still okay. Okay. So here, here you go. I know you want me to give give some of you some water in your name and bring you glory, but I'm feeling a little bad about myself, so I want to uh, bring a little glory in, to my life first. So hold on. There's still this piece on the bottom here. And and there's a little piece here too. But God, there's the rest of this is yours. Um, and and you you're probably happy with this because I mean, you know, I, I saw a bumper sticker that that you know is talking about like a dyslexic God is dog or something like that. And and you know what? Here you go. There you go, God. That's what you can have. And some of us, in the way we live our lives, and this is what was happening here in Malachi, think that God is sitting there. Oh, oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh. God is not our dog sitting under a table. God does not expect what you don't have. God is not even expecting you to give a certain type of gift. What God wants is you to recognize that he is giving you a plump, rotisserie, garlic and butter chicken. And realize that he is offering this to share with you. And part of encountering him that you will bless others. He says, look, cursed is the cheat who promises to give a fine ram from his flock, but then sacrifices a defective one to the Lord. This idea, God, I'll throw you a bone. 
You happy? I, I, I checked it off the list. I gave my tithe. I checked off lift. I, 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 I put some, some five-year-old macaroni in the, in the serve Tallahassee bin. They won't know. He says, make up your minds to honor my name. You know why? It's make up your minds. It is a conscious decision. It's a conscious decision. Pastor Dan talks about this a lot, about honoring his wife. That marriage is, is about love, but it is also about commitment and loving your wife when maybe you don't want to love her and her loving you when you are not being very lovable. To make up your mind that you are going to be the type of person who is going to bring honor to God. And then he finishes with this that is quite possibly the most disturbing couple of verses in all of Scripture, if you really think about it. I will punish your descendants and splatter your faces with the manure from the festival sacrifices, and I will throw you on the manure pile. God's saying, you see that blind sheep like running into the tree? I got to scoop up some of that manure throw it in your face, and then I'm going to pick you up and throw you in the dung pile. That's what I think of your concrete duck. And I'm sure that that's what my mom wanted to do and probably still going to do, and I'm probably going to have a concrete duck thrown through my window. I'm pretty sure the statutes of limitations, 14, I'm 45, so that's 30 years ago. If I'm not here next week, somebody uh, bail me out of prison. <laughs> I think God's serious about this. I think my wife is serious about me bringing honor to her. I think my parents are serious about my life bringing honor to them and the McNeese name. I think God is serious when he offers us not a chicken, but his son, and says, you know what? I love you so much that I am going to sacrifice part of me and what makes me, me, the Trinity, to pay the price for your transgressions. And it's going to cost me dearly. And I do this because I am in love with you. And I do this because I just want the opportunity to be in a right relationship with you once again. And I know that most people will reject that. But this is my gift to you.
That is the holy bar. That is the image of sacrifice and giving that God has for us. Paul puts it this way in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that He has done for you. Let them be living and holy sacrifice, the kind that He will find acceptable. And when we say, God, thank you for the chicken, and you know what? I'm going to keep my sexuality, or I'm going to keep my money, or I'm going to keep my service, or I'm going to keep this, and then this, and this. And here, here's the bone, dog, God. Be happy with that. Good boy. Man, there's something wrong. There's something real wrong. And God says, you know what? If that's what you think this thing is, shut the doors of the church. Shut the doors. No thank you. Right? That's not an honoring expression and understanding of what I have done for you. You see, I think those of us who have experienced a transformational encounter with the one true living God have the courage to say, you know what? You're right, God. I I am yours. And if there's anything, if you want my sexuality, if you want my money, if you want my career, if you want my, my, my time... That, you know what, this gift of life is really all of yours. And I offer it to you. And all I ask is, Lord, that if there is an opportunity for service or giving or to be a blessing, let it be me. Let me be your ambassador. Let me be your blessing. The thing that distinguishes people who are just bench warmers and people who transform the game are people who stand up and say, let it be me. That's what Michael Jordan was with the Bulls. When everything was at stake, he wanted the ball. He would say, coach, let it be me. And this is what I truly believe. And this is for the church. You cannot put your hands in your pocket and feel the warmth of touching another human being. Let it be me. You cannot shut your eyes and see the movement of God. Lord, let it be me. You cannot cover 
your ears. And hear the invitation of God. Lord, let it be me. You cannot bite your tongue and offer words of life. Lord, let it be me. And you cannot embrace love while clenching your fists in a posture of hate. Lord, let it be me. Will you guys pray with me? Dear God, bold words, scary words to stand before your Creator and say, God, you know what? It is all on the table. Whatever you call, wherever you call, let it be me. God, when I'm walking down the road, let it be me who sees someone who needs your love. Lord, when the storm is the greatest, let it be me who gets out of the boat. Lord, when the bush is burning, let it be me who is covered in smoke. Let it be me. In your strong and perfect name, Jesus. Amen.